Hi, I'm Dr. Stewart. And I'm Leah Tyndale. And this is part three in our podcast mini-series on health. And in particular, we're talking about mental health. And today we're talking about treatment. You sure are, because you can't have a diagnosis without a treatment. Well, you can, but it's not much fun. No, and that's probably a great place to start with, because that's one of the options, isn't it? When you get a diagnosis, you can do nothing. That is always an option. And I think it's important to remind people that we don't have to do something here. And it's entirely up to them to decide, is that what you want to do? Uh, commonly, that will be a, an option we explore. And I often find myself pointing out, it probably hasn't worked terribly well up till now, but <laughs> yeah, it sure. does still remain an option. Beyond that, particularly in the space of mental health, we're talking uh, other options. So things like GP counselling. So come in and see in your GP. If they're appropriately qualified and if you have a good rapport, good connection with them, then that can be more accessible often than a psychologist. Uh, depending on the billing rates, it can actually be cost effective. And it can be somebody who you have a longer term connection with who has a greater context in the sense that they may also treat other family members. So they can actually understand the entirety of your situation more readily. So GP counselling can be an option. Is that common, though, for other GPs across the board? Because I feel like you've you sort of mentioned this in previous conversations. Yeah. And I've never heard another GP or doctor bring up the fact or that this is an option, GP counselling. GP is a very broad specialty. I think it's important to remember that. And we all have our own areas of expertise, our own areas that we're passionate about. Some GPs are not a huge fan of mental health. They, they, They are capable of managing it, but they wouldn't especially push into that space if they can avoid it. They would sooner focus on the areas that they prefer, for example, chronic disease or other aspects like that. Uh, But certainly there are plenty of GPs who do have an interest in mental health and who would offer that type of service. Um, We advertise on a website. Most GPs will do the same thing and they will list the areas that they are most interested in, which means by extension, they're likely to be most passionate about, which means they're most likely to be up to date with as well. So you want to look at the individual options you've got for a GP in your area and decide, do they have a passion or a space in that 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 would help support me and then have that discussion with them. Yeah, okay, great. Um, so then moving on from the GP counselling, are the treatments? There's lots. So one option might be psychology. So mm-hmm. sitting down with someone who's a qualified psychologist. So the difference between a doctor and a psychologist, some psychologists may have a PhD and will call themselves doctor, but they're not a medical doctor. They are specifically qualified in, sure. in psychology and providing clinical psychology services. So for example, they might focus on things like uh, CBT or DBT, things that patients might have heard of, cognitive behavioural therapies okay, and sure. these kind of things. Thank you for explaining. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, they'll deal with other things. Um, they are very good at doing assessments for certain things as well. They have a vast range of skills and they are a critical component in the team that yes. looks after an individual patient. I commonly talk about uh, a bike wheel when I'm talking about um, patient care and how the GP sits in the middle of the hub of that bike wheel beside the patient. And we may send them off down the spokes to speak to a psychologist or a surgeon or a physio or whoever it is. But ultimately, if they once they've finished that treatment or if they're not happy, they come back to us and then we can send them off somewhere else if That's necessary. That's great. I like that analogy. So it, it gives that, that notion of us holding that mm. centre together. And also it's a common point that they can come back to if they need to downstream. Yeah. So a psychologist is a very, very important part of that team uh, and, and is 
commonly something that I do recommend. Yeah. What's the difference then though between a psychologist and a psychiatrist and what are you likely to be recommended to when you're talking about mental health conditions? It depends on the mental health condition. So a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. So they went through the same training as me. So they did probably four or five years at medical school. They'll have done uh, two years or so as an intern or a junior doctor, and then they'll have done specialty training. I did five years as a GP specialty trainee. Okay. They will have done four, five, six years or more of um, specialty training as a psychiatrist. So they are a doctor who wanted to specifically focus on mental health. And classically, they will see more severe or more uh, unusual cases of mental health disorders. Um, they would be more likely to be involved in, for example, things like schizophrenia, okay. um, schizoaffective disorder, or more uh, uncertain diagnoses or patients who are particularly severely affected by their conditions. Um, the vast majority uh, of, of mental health is dealt with by general practitioners, though, um, okay. and, and appropriately so. Um, so psychiatry is somewhere you might find yourself and likely for things like a diagnosis of ADHD, that's going okay, to be quite yeah, common right. as well. But once you've got your diagnosis, as I say, you'll come back to the centre of that bike wheel with, uh, with your GP and continue your journey from there. Other things that we might do uh, would be things like medication. Mm. And it's, it's a thorny topic because yes. people have preconceived notions about uh, medication. They're worried that it will be addictive, which yes. it's... Uh, change your chemistry of your brain. Absolutely. Will, will I think differently about things? Mm. Will it change my behavior? Will I, you know, you know will I become a different person yeah. or uh, all of these kind of things? And the reality is it's not supposed to do any of those things. And if a patient came to me and said that something like that had happened, I would certainly want to change their medication if mm. I possibly uh, could at that point because it's not supposed to do those things. What it's supposed to do, for example, in the case of depression or anxiety in particular, is just to make it that little bit better every yes. day. And it doesn't work overnight. And that's, that's an issue with a lot of the treatments that we employ in mental health. None of them are an immediate fix. Yes. They take time. Yeah. And it's also a reason for treatment failure, particularly in terms of medication, because what commonly happens, I will counsel my patients and say, look, we're going to start an antidepressant. We've both agreed that that's the right journey forward from here. Uh, so we're going to start this tablet at this dose. We're going to take it every day at roughly the same time. And then I'm going to catch up with you and we will review where we're at around four to six weeks time. We might want to increase the dose if we need yeah. to, but we'll see where we're at. Oftentimes, these medications take at least two to six weeks to work, mm -hmm. which means they take two to six weeks to wear off. Right. So not uncommonly, patients will start a treatment and they'll go a couple of months and they'll feel better and they'll think, doctor didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. I knew I was going to be fine. So they'll stop the medication. And like I say, it took that couple of months to work. It's going to take a couple of months to wear off. And so commonly I'll see patients back at the four, five, six month mark yeah. going, what happened, doc? I don't uh... understand. I was going fine. I knew I didn't need that medication. So I just stopped it. And now I'm back where I was. What's going on? And does that lessen the uh, way that it can affect you later on? Like if you keep coming on and off and on and off, a similar tablet or, or yeah. what it may be, does that make it less effective overall? It shouldn't do, no. Yeah, okay. uh, but but it is an important lesson for us to, to sort of identify and then to say, like, it's not going to work if we just take it sometimes and don't take it other times. And that, that can be a very real issue. For, for example, we talked on another uh, show about uh, ADHD. Mm. Uh, and if you're a bit forgetful, if you're, if you're struggling with attention, for example, example you might forget to take your medicine every day 
And if you are on an antidepressant and forget to take it every other day, it's not going to work for you. It's going to give you more problems probably than it's going to solve. So that can become a challenge for us and we may need to rethink how we deal with that. So we may talk about strategies. I I commonly say to people, if you're good at remembering to brush your teeth, pop your tablets in beside your toothbrush because it's that visual prompt Ah, to remind you every day to make sure you took your tablet, for example. So then what else then comes under that treatment option? Do we have anything, other options at our disposal? Again, it depends on the the underlying condition. But for example, if we're concerned about drug or alcohol uh, misuse, then there are rehabilitation services that we can employ. So um, there are uh, services like Next Step, which is very good. Alcoholics Anonymous is is well recognised. And then there are private services, inpatient services Mm -hmm. for rehabilitation in those kind of spaces as well. There are self-help options available as well. There are some good websites online uh, that can help walk people through mental health problems and and give them support. And then we've got external support uh, options like friends and family and other people who have been through similar experiences. There are groups online who would uh, help support and nurture people who are going through similar challenges and help to to get them to a better space. Yeah, okay. And do then part of this sort of diagnosis and, and sorry, treatment, I should say, do you then also look or would the GP be looking at um, diet and exercise and making sure that they're also boosted if they need to be or whatever that may look like? It's an important component, but you've got to remember that it's often uh, a feature of the underlying condition that sure. it impacts. So, for example, with depression or anxiety, you may have social phobia and therefore not want to go out and exercise the way you classically would. You also may under or overeat, which can have profound physical health effects uh, downstream as well. So yes, we would look to optimise that, but it's almost secondary to treatment. We want to get the patient feeling better so that they can start engaging with those kind of processes. But other things that we we may need to look at, things like caffeine, alcohol, all these kind of things can really directly impact on our quality of sleep, which can then again knock on to our mental health. Absolutely. And then with a sort of final step, I suppose, with treatment, um, are, there, are you giving a lot of advice around side effects and things like that? Because I suppose there's a lot of anxiety around, okay, well, yeah, like I'm, I'm now taking this medication, but it gives me, I mean, it does, I don't know what does this, but like tremors or I'm like worried that it triggers something else. Like, yeah. Is that part of that whole process too? So anytime I prescribe medication, and I think we're talking specifically about using uh, pharmaceuticals to, yes. to treat these conditions in this case. Anytime I prescribe any medication, I'm considering the risk versus benefit to the patient mm. because the Hippocratic Oath says first do no harm. In other yes. words, don't give somebody a cure for this thing that causes this other thing. That's clearly counterproductive. Um, but oftentimes we, we need to evaluate the severity of the risk. So a lot of these medications will have some fairly curly looking uh, side effects, but they are so phenomenally rare that actually we can almost discount them in terms of their um, importance in that specific case. Mm. But there are often some fairly common side effects. So tummy upset is probably the most common side effect okay. of any kind of antidepressant therapy, yeah, to be right. honest. For um, the whole time you take it? No, or just, just initially? Just initially or at a dose okay. change. So usually three to five days of a little bit of tummy upset, maybe okay. a little bit of an ache or a little bit of nausea, but not vomiting, maybe some diarrhea, but nothing too severe. Mm. And usually it, it wears off after a few days. Not everybody gets it, but it is something that's quite common. Yeah, okay. um, but there are other side effects which are only uh, seen in certain subgroups. Um, so, for example, young men, when we start them on a certain type of antidepressant, it can theoretically increase their risk of suicidal thoughts. Okay. And so we want to be cautious of that and, and mindful of that when we are considering what options to prescribe. Because there is a large array of medication that I can prescribe in this space. 
And it all depends on how that patient has presented, what combination of situations they are in, and what their particular circumstances require. Yes. Um, yeah. That would dictate. So, for example, I can't give them a medication that would be sedating. Yeah. Uh, if they're a truck driver or if they can operate heavy machinery. Whereas if they're really struggling with sleep, I can give them something that's more sedating to help them sleep through the night, as long as that's not going to impact on their career. And I think this is really important to circle back to as well. There are so many, obviously, different types of mental health conditions and factors that um, we just remind people again that this is just general um, health advice and that you should definitely go through the process, go to your GP and um, seek out the answers and solutions for yourself um, because, yeah, we can talk about all the different, you know, medications and all the things that are available, but then, you know, it won't really mean anything unless we've got you know, eyes on your specific situation. Everyone is different, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, once again, an absolute pleasure, Dr. Stewart. I can't even say your question. Um, But we've got one more fantastic episode to get to, so people should keep tuning in. And what will they get? We'll get the next episode. And what will it be? Bit of hope. It'll be a bit of hope. It will be a bit of hope and recovery and um, how we can move forward. So make sure you don't go anywhere because that's coming up. All content and media related to the What's Up Doc podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. If you have any questions or concerns, please make sure you see your local healthcare professional.